This podcast contains potentially adult language, adult themes, definitely drinking, and possibly sexual context. Listener discretion is advised. Okay. Woo! Welcome to Drinking with Authors. I am your host, Erica Lance, and with me today is... Vanessa Valiente. And our ghost, ghost, our ghost. That's great. Great to start. It's fine. I didn't have any of my coffee with the honey jack in it. Our guest today, using actual words, is MK Williams. Yay! Hi, hello. And I have to do full disclaimer here. MK actually recorded with us before this particular podcast recording, and we had some technical difficulties and lost her amazing interview, and she graciously agreed to appear again on the podcast so we can put her out there because she's amazing. So this is awesome. Um, Thanks for having me back. Thank you. Um, Okay, let's talk about what we're drinking real quick. I am drinking um, coffee this morning with Honey Jack in it like an adult. So, Vanessa, what are you drinking? Um, I'm doing an orange mango mimosa. Ooh! You got a champagne glass and everything. You are fancy this morning. Hey, I'm going to be legit this morning. (laughs) Super fancy. And MK, I know you have an exciting, riveting alcoholic beverage to share. I am drinking straight water because I am pregnant. But if I was not pregnant, I would be having um, probably bourbon with Coke. So oh. Oh, well, we'll maybe straight, maybe, maybe have a celebratory drink after you're able to do that at whatever point that is. Yes. <laughs> Not when you desire to. I have two kids. There's a desire point and then there's a point when you actually get to yeah. it. <laughs> okay, so let's um let's let the listeners know a little bit about um you and what you write. So let them know you and what you write. So I'm MK Williams. I am a self-published author, independent publisher. I write kind of all over the board. So um, most of my books have been sci-fi, some sci-fi adventure, some more sci-fi horror. Um, And then I also just write um, just suspense books. And I've released some nonfiction books about self-publishing and book marketing. Um, And then I help other people publish their books now too, and kind of get into the flow and figure out what they need to do. So I'm all over the board. I think last time we talked, I was so lovingly called a genre whore, which I was like, that's kind of true. I just kind of go with the flow. So uh, yeah. No, I I think genre whore is like a, like a superhero name almost. That should be coveted. Because not everybody can do that. Like a lot of people, it's not even desire. They just, they write this one thing and that's all that they mm-hmm. seem to, you know, if you go, hey, you write romance and stuff. Maybe you want to write it like a young adult romance. And they're like, no, I can't do that. <laughs> and I, I don't understand that. But one of the things I loved about talking to you last time was that you have like a core thing to help other authors who've been in your situation. Mm-hmm. So one of the things um, that I think is great about the podcast is that, um, besides the drinking, um, that authors get to listen to, other writers out there get to listen to how things occurred for people and how it works, right? Mm-hmm. So what was your first book? I know the answer to that, but I have to ask it again because it was previously recorded. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so the very, very first book um, was one that I worked on out of college. So I knew I liked to write. Um, I loved to read. I was an only child, so I mean, like, you know, spending 
alone time reading and being creative was like my go-to. Um, and so I love to write, but I would never write technically well, you know, like grammar wise, not, not the best. Um, and so I thought I wasn't allowed to major in English or allowed to pursue a dream of being an author because, you know, some authorities un- the unknown unnamed authorities would come and be like, no, your run on sentences are too horrible. How dare you? Um, and so I, I majored in something practical like economics because yeah, that that's a thing, um, which I enjoyed. I like math. I'm, I'm an all around nerd. I don't discriminate against the different nerd topics. Um, but I was able to take this course in college that was called writing killer fiction. It was an elective course. And I was like, this is going to be so fun. Um, and I ended up the assignment for the course was to write 50 pages of like a short story. And I ended with like a hundred pages of my first novel. (laughs) So I, thankfully my teacher was very supportive. She's like, you need to keep writing. She's like, it's not done, but I'm still going to pass you. But you know, you gotta, gotta keep going at it. So my very first book I wrote right out of college. Um, it was more of like a romance style. I thought I, I mean, I was just prepared to get offer letters galore and a bidding war for the rights and have to figure out how to get out to LA to be there when they were going to option the movie. Like I was so sure none of that happened. None of that. <laughs> it's just like you're telling That's me laying in bed at night going, I'm quite sure I'm going to sit in a coffee shop and be typing on my laptop. And a major <laughs> publisher is going to walk in and be like, what are you writing? You look like an inspirational writer. I but- feel like you're telling my, you're literally saying everything that happened to me. I, <laughs> I, Cause like I found writing like kind of later in life or at least for me. And in college I took a, childhood literature class as an elective and that's when I realized I love writing and I had the same like idea that like after college I'm like I'm gonna get a book deal I'm gonna get all these different things and yeah that hasn't happened yet still (laughs) (laughs) and and it's good that we all have this good aspirational dream but then like the crushing reality comes down on so many of us um yeah and so obviously the first book that didn't happen the second book it didn't happen Um, and so for me, the third book, I was like, okay, like I'm really gonna, you know, give it my all. Um, and there was this local event, this local library event, and there was a traditionally published author and she was going to be there. And I was like, oh, well, she doesn't really write my genre, but I'm like, maybe we can meet, we can be best friends. Like at this point, I did not know any other authors. Um, I, as most of us writers, I think some of us are like, I'm introverted, like even online on social media, like I lurk in the groups and I learn things, but like, I don't go and make friends as easily online or even in person. So I was like, I'm going to go and make friends with this writer and it's going to be the best thing ever. Like I got it in my head and I went there and I listened to her talk and it was great. And I walked up and I was like, Oh, I'm so excited to meet you. I have so many questions. You aren't to be a writer. And she looked at me and she's like, you're what? Like 23. What could you possibly have to say? <gasps> yeah. Wow. Yeah. Just like crushed. Just I like, already uh, told MK that if she gives me the name of this particular author, I will go find a dark alley she's in and resolve this problem for all of us. Oh. And do a, you know, you know what you did you after I beat her up. Yeah, cool. no. I mean, and it's one of those things where like, it was definitely a tough moment. And it was kind of like one of those things where I was like, I just thought we would all want to help each other. And like, you know, why don't we all want to work together? Again, I was very naive. I, I was very young. Um. And so I just didn't write. And, you know, my husband noticed, he's like, what? 
going on? Like you're, you love to write, you're spending all this free time writing, you're not doing it anymore. And I was like, well, you know, I just don't know if it's ever going to happen. He was like, well, what's your definition of success here? Is it getting the big deal? Is it doing the things? Or is it just getting the book published? Cause you could self publish. And I was like, you don't understand. It's not how it works. <laughs> and so I like, I had to prove him wrong. And so, because when I was in college and I had first looked at self-publishing stuff, it was like, you had to get an offset run. You were going to spend thousands of dollars and nobody would want your book. And I was like, oh, that's not going to work. And thankfully it was around the time that like KDP had just launched. Um, and so I was looking and I was like, oh, I actually can do this. And that kind of spurred my moment into self-publishing. So even though this author said something horrible to me, it kind of turned into something positive because now I have eight books out and I am the self-publisher and that's my job. And that's, you know, it kind of, it all worked out. It, there's a happy ending. Um, but yeah, so that's kind of where my journey started. But yeah. one thing that brings to mind is that you never um, are sort of prepared for the difficulties that you can run into in life in general. We're at the time of the Rona, you know, um, <laughs> so in life in general, but as a writer, it's very, I think artists in general have very, um, can have their very delicate egos. Like, even if they're not egotistical, I'm not saying all writers are egotistical. It's when you're an artist and this is your thing and this is your, like, my precious, you know, when somebody <laughs> attacks yeah. it, it, it's, it is amazing. And I, I said this before that you were able to, like, still write yourself and go forward because. I hear stories all the time of things like that happening to authors and they're, they're done. Their mm -hmm. entire universe is devastated and now they're going to go be an accountant for the rest of their life. And they're never going to write again because this one little thing, or they got this rejection letter or something happened. And it, it truly is. It's not easy being an artist. You have to find your way being an artist, which then leads me. I'm a musical this morning to the conversation. I'm not that musical. I used to do musicals, but not this morning. Um, you decided, and we're going to go back to your books because I really, I love, I love the idea, especially one of your books. <laughs> My favorites. Okay. So um, is you decided to go, not only I'm going to do this for myself, you went, I am going to help other people know how to do this. Mm -hmm. So talk a little bit about that because I remember the stories and I think people, this is really important how you got to that particular journey. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, for me, it was just learning as much as I can. I mean, I was just Google, 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 you know, what do I need to know as the questions came up? Um, and so around, um, around two years in, I had friends who had started a podcast and it had taken off and I was like, Oh, Oh, you, my friends are like internet famous. This is weird. And they said that they wanted to take some of the information and put it into a book and like, Oh, can you help me with that? And I was like, yeah, I can totally help you with that. Let me Google how to do this for other people. Um, and so that was part of it. And then I also, at the same time was getting a lot of questions from like friends or like friends of friends who were like, Hey, um, I want to publish a book. How do I publish a book? How do I do this? And I would, you know, write down, you know, this, here's some tips, here's some things to look into, you know, ask some questions back, um, and send off this email. And it would take me a while to do that. And that was my like writing time for the day. That was my, my book work time for that day. And then I was like, well, let me just write a form email. Cause a lot of these things are the same, but then as the questions would come in, I was like, well, this is so impersonal. Let me just make it more personal to them. And it would take just as much time. 
And so I was like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to record myself and put it on YouTube because it is the same answer, but now they'll feel like they're getting more personal stuff from me. So all those things kind of happened at the same time where I was like, I'm going to save time. I'm going to help people. And then I don't have to keep answering these questions and I can just focus on writing my books. Like that was always the goal was to get back to like me just being able to write my books. Um, and that turned into, I launched a YouTube channel that now has, um, a couple hundred videos on it of just like answering these niche questions about self-publishing channel is so as people are listening and because they could get progressively more drunk if they're drinking a lot. That's very true. Um, so the YouTube channel, it is the writer's minute. Um, but if you just look up MK Williams, um, the writer's minute, it'll pop up, um, or MK Williams self-publishing, it'll pop up on, on the YouTube search bar. Um, yeah. So you started doing all of this and then when did the book, when did, when were you like, you know what I'm going to do? I know how to self-publish. I'm going to self-publish a book about self-publishing. <laughs> so this, <laughs> so that idea came right after Nano last year. So like I wrote my, my next novel and I was like, you know what? I'm doing all these videos. I was like, I bet people who like to write books like to read books. I bet I could just take this information in my brain and put it in a book. And I actually like, they just wrote themselves very easily because it was truly just breaking it down. Like when I talk to somebody and I'm like, okay, well, what, what kind of a book do you want to publish? Like, what is your goal? Like, are you just looking to make extra money? Let me tell you all the other ways you can make money. That's not self-publishing because <laughs> you're not going to make that much. Um, and then going through all the things that the decisions to make. So they were actually fairly easy to write. So that was a project last winter that I got out pretty quickly um, around the time that the Rona hit. I was like, this is the perfect week to launch a book. Not. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so now I have the books out for helping the, the first time author. Are... So they are self-publishing for the first time author and book marketing for the first time author. Super creative. <laughs> Yeah, but they're, you know, I hate to say it. It's kind of like when you're an author and you're struggling, you you want to go book marketing for self-publishing and then the book's going to come up. So even though it, it's it's not super creative, it gets into marketing, which mm -hmm. I want to talk about for a moment because I love the fact that you have the self-publishing, but the marketing, because I feel like this is the number one area where people suck at this <laughs> as an author. And I'm just going to say it that way. I actually, I'm doing, a, I was asked to do a class uh, for savvy authors, right? They asked me if I wanted to do a, um, a seminar. I'm sure I'm not using the right word. So savvy authors, if you're listening, I apologize. Um, I'm, I've maybe had two cups of coffee this morning. Um, but and I mean coffee in the literal sense right now, <laughs> this podcast. But they asked me, and I said, okay. And they're like, what do you want to talk about? And I said, um, how about we do one called Shameless Self-Promotion? And they're like, oh, my God, I love that. And so that's the name of it, a Shameless Self-Promotion. And I think it's important because I think – I keep saying I think. Authors don't realize how important a cover is, how important they are, and that they're a brand and that they're famous – so tell us a little bit about your journey, because I always approach like the moment you publish something, you are now a celebrity and you're famous, right? <laughs> it's just how famous you decide to make yourself because you are a celebrity. FYI, authors out there, 
If you publish a book with your name on it, guess what happens if any newspaper decides to write a derogatory article? You now fall under the celebrity clause of the article and not a, a citizen clause. I know this because I researched it. Don't want to discuss why. Moving on. But <laughs> So talk about a little bit the marketing side because you self-publish and you're like, I'm a rock star. I self-publish. And then the book is up there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And people are like, okay, cool. You wrote one book. Big deal. Big whoop. Um, and you're like, this is a big deal to me. It took me years. Um, so yeah, the marketing part I think is one of the most difficult. So I always tell people when I'm helping them writing the book is actually the hardest part. Marketing the book is the second hardest part because you think you're done and you're, you're never done. And so when my very first book nail biters came out, I mean, I was, like Goodreads was like my go-to place. Like I was joining all the author forums. I was like, okay, how can I give my book away? How can I get people to review it? And, um, you know, I did the thing where I was like, let me give away as many e-copies as I can. Because at the time I was like, I'm going to save the trees and not do paperbacks and I'm going to change the world. Nope. Um, (laughs) (laughs) so part of your marketing is having multiple formats. I will say that. Um, but you know, I gave away all these e-copies and then I realized it matters who you give your e-copies to because there was one woman and she was based in the U S Southwest. And that was where some of nail biters takes place. And she wanted to do an author interview. I was like, great, let's do that. She's like, Oh, and I'll do a book review too. Cause she needed extra articles to put on her blog. I was like, great. And then I saw her preferences were more like Western romance. And I was like, just so you know, this is like sci-fi thriller, like in your face gory, like horror. And she was like, Oh, I'll give it a try. Well, surprise, surprise. She didn't like the book and her review on Goodreads to this day says not my cup of tea, two stars. And I was like, I could have told you that because I've read your blog and it said you liked Western romances. And I told you this wasn't a Western romance. So getting your book in front of the right person is very important, right? Like you could scream from the rooftops. I have a book. It's the best book ever. And like you said, you know, that shameless self-promotion, but if you're not promoting to the right people, it doesn't Um, so it's finding that right group. It's getting the book out. Um, it's, it's all the little things. And when I started, I mean, my audience was mom, dad, husband, you know, like that was it. And so I've really had to build that audience organically over time. And one thing I try to tell people now, don't listen to any podcast where the title is how I made a million dollars selling eBooks in one week or any other clickbaity title like that. Because I will tell you that person started a podcast or a blog or something else 10 years ago and had this list of thousands of people. And that's why when their book launched within a week, they sold millions of copies or whatever this bombastic number is. Um, and that it's really that, that building that audience that matters. Um, and so, yeah, I, I had to learn from trial and error. Like I didn't tell anybody I was writing this book. I was publishing it. I had a few people in on it cause I was so afraid that like, well, what if I fail? What if I just don't do it? And I realized my mistake was like, no, I should have been promoting. Oh my gosh. Like I just got the cover back. That looks great. Like I should have been promoting it all along to get up to the launch. Um, and so that's something I've tried to incorporate. And I always try to reiterate to people is like, do the free things first, like get on Goodreads, get your, get your website going. Like you can get those for free too. Like all these, these free, easy things. If those aren't right, don't waste your money on advertising and like the paid Amazon ads and book bub ads and things like that until the other stuff is right. Or else you're just going to shoot yourself in the foot. So I always try to tell people do, do the easy stuff first, um, for marketing. But yeah, I always have to shamelessly promote myself and it's always awkward and I, I'm still awkward about it but I'm a writer. Do it. And that's what matters. And I think it's interesting. So I 
recently, um, I have somebody who will never be on this podcast if she ever listens to it because uh, I, E.L. James, I do not <laughs> enjoy as a human on this planet as an author. I think she, she gives authors a bad name. I'm sure there are many other communities that would agree on other topics that she gives a bad name to, BDSM. Um, but... Uh, one of the things I, I realized in researching, because I'm like, this was a marketing campaign. Like mm-hmm. Fifty Shades of Grey was a marketing campaign, mm-hmm. right? Because once it got past the actual fanfare and, oh my gosh, it's so this, this, and this, it was panned. This book is panned. It's not thought of as a good book. There are so many jokes about how horrible it is. And even though it got made into a movie, same, same. I think the actors in the movie regret ever having signed that contract and stuff like that. But one thing that was interesting to pull back that I I didn't know is she had, um, I think it was 3,000, no, it was 10,000 people signed up to her newsletter on her author page for the fan fiction as she was slowly doing this and putting little tidbits out. So then when she started to talk, putting it into a book deal, there were 3,000 pre-orders for that book, right? Mm-hmm. And I don't think people realize that that is what did that, not the writing, not the whatever, because again, long drawn out, whatever, but I can tell you, you get 3,000 pre-orders for a book, and it wasn't the publishing company saw she was writing fan fiction, read it, and went, this is the novel of all times. They saw, here's this book climbing up on pre-orders, and they went, oh, we can, we can do this. We Because it's marketing. The publishing world is marketing. So they went, we can, we can do something with this, because it already had such legs that it took mm-hmm. off. And so there is an exact strategy, as I like to call it, to mm-hmm. being a successful author. Mm-hmm. And um, I also think the difference is, like, you are an author and a publisher and you have your YouTube channel and you do a, you do a podcast too, right? Yeah, it's a personal finance podcast that I'm on. Like, it's not at all related to books. I just am super frugal. And so I'm on, it's like not at all related. I don't know. I really need to get my brand in line, but yeah, I'm on a podcast. No, I love that your brain is all over the place because you are an exception, not the rule to publishing. And it's brilliant that you are because, mm-hmm. um, I know I was going somewhere with this. Oh yes. So, you know, you look at that you're, you've done all of these things and you have to branch out of doing that. Not just, I'm going to be an author because a successful author is not, E.L. James or J.K. Rowling, they're a super hyper successful, but a successful mm-hmm. author to me is you can do this stuff for a living and you're making enough for a living to do this as your job. Ergo, mm-hmm. you are successful. If you still have to have a second job, me and Vanessa, and other things like that, you're not quite at the level of success. That's how I measure success as an author, kind of like working actors. Like we see all these A-list actors out there and we're like, oh, wow. Watch almost any TV show, and you're going to see a working actor. You will see the same actors do guest spots on Law and Order and Blacklist and CSI and stuff. Those are working actors. Those are people who are making a living, working, doing whatever acting gigs they come across. It's like a similar artistic thing to me. Mm-hmm. Look, I even got to the end of my thing. So I think it's amazing that you're a working author. But let's talk about nail biters for a moment because. Mm-hmm. Nail biters is quite gory. Nail biters it's, is not for the faint of heart. 
It's not. It is. This is, um, so this was my first book. This is my first book, baby that like was published to the world. The first two were rubbish. So this, the third one was, you know, permissible. Um, and this was inspired by a really horrible nightmare that I had. Um, and I just, I had to write it down in the morning and then it just went from there. And yeah, I don't know, like most people who, who come across me like, MK is so nice and like bubbly. And then they read nail biters and they're like, Oh, this girl's got a dark side. Um, so yeah, so this was, it was lovely audience. What nail biters is about. Yes. Uh, so nail biters is, you know how there are books that are like post-apocalyptic, like everything horrible has happened and this is where society is, or there's books where it's like something bad's coming. The aliens are coming. What are we going to do? Like nail biters is it drops you right in the middle, like three weeks into an invasion of like shit's going down. Like what, what are you trying to do? Trying to figure out, trying to survive. And so it's really a story about survival with the main character, Dora, um, and how she starts to figure out what's going on. Does she even want to know what's going on and how she tries to survive, um, throughout this invasion. And there's a big twist at the end and I won't tell anybody what it is. Um, but if you've read the book, you know, what the twist, um, so yeah, so it's, it's definitely in your face. Um, and I wanted it to be, I wanted people to be uncomfortable reading it. So there are just three parts. There are no chapters, which people gave me feel like they're like, I wish there were chapters. I was like, Stephen King can do no chapters. Cause again, the first book I published, I thought it was hot shit. Um, well, you are so, hot shit. I mean, it's just, you were like hot shit. And I'm going to break the rules and then tell people I broke the rules. Yeah. Do what I want. Um, so yeah, so there's three parts. I wanted people to just be this very uncomfortable, not knowing what's going on because the character doesn't know what's going on and they're trying to figure it out. Um, and I really wanted it to be like in your face, like here are all the issues in our society. And even when you strip society away, um, because of this invasion of this, everything's going wrong. Like these issues are still there. And these are like the root of our humanity and like what makes us human and what are the things that we do to each other that makes us less human every day. Um, so that was a lot of it. That was like the artistic like view of it. The other part was just like, cool, (laughs) kill a bunch of people in really gory ways. Um, so that's, that's nail biters. That's nail biters. And you wrote a a follow-up to nail biters. I did I did and then the so let's share the follow-up that's oh not gosh. coming out quite yet yes so <laughs> architects is actually on pre-order right now so when we talked before for the the lost podcast lost to the technologies um it was like I, w- I got it back from the editor like two days later so we were talking before and I was like yeah I still don't have it back from the proofreader and I was like oh I got it um so it is on pre-order now but so architects has to pick up a whole new storyline because Everybody dead after nail biters, you know, they're gone. Um, So Architects picks up um, with a totally different character line, kind of explaining what happened. Like, how did all of this come to be? Um, Because there were unanswered questions at the end of nail biters. And I was like, well, I know the answer, but I just don't want to tell people I want them to be uncomfortable. And then I started thinking more about it. And so over the past five years, really, since nail biters has come out, I was thinking like, well, how could this happen? And how could people just go along with this? Or how could people go along with that? And so Architects follows Hunter, who has been um, quarantined at sea for three years. It's this uh, architects happens three years after nail biters um, and they have to go ashore to re- restore their supply lines. And it kind of goes back and forth between how he got involved with this large corporation that maybe did something not so good um, that kind of decimated the population and all of the quarantines and civil unrest that ensued 
from that. So I wrote that book during Nano last year. I had lots of pieces together, but I finally was like, okay, I'm just going to finish it and write it for this five-year anniversary for Nail Biters that'll come out. Um, and then it went off to the developmental editor, but like the, the main chunks of the story are the same. And then coronavirus happened with a quarantine. And then yeah. we've had a lot of civil unrest. <laughs> so yeah. So when I announced Architects, I was oh, like, I was like, trigger warnings for everything that you're stressed about right now. And I'm so sorry. And <laughs> it, it is what it is. I'm so sorry. Like, I, I, I have to ask, did you take anything that's been happening in the real world and kind of try to incorporate it into the draft by chance? Not anything that's presently going on in 2020. So like nothing about like the coronavirus pandemic quarantine. I actually took some things out that I was like, Ooh, that's going to be too soon. Um, and for the current things that have been going on, especially since June with Black Lives Matter and obviously this huge civil um, reckoning that we're having, I, I that did not inspire architects. I will say all the protests and all of the attention that has not been going to that movement for the past five years. I mean, Black Lives Matter didn't start when George Floyd was murdered. Black Lives Matter didn't start... Um, when Trump took office. Black Lives Matter has been around longer than that. And so some of those protests, the early on protests, did inspire what we see in architects and how they are often just pushed back, pushed down, um, and things like that. But it was not the 2020 um, reckoning that we're seeing where it's gaining more momentum that inspired it. It was things that came before that, that definitely inspired what we see bits of in architects. So just for the record, I've decided MK is psychic. And so (laughs) later, because we're going to take a break in a minute, but later we're going to ask her what she's writing. So we know what's coming next. So we can all just prepare our lives around that fact. Because I I think that's what we need to do at this point is maybe just every like once a quarter have a podcast with her and go, so fun story. What is in your little brain right now? <laughs> because well, you should probably tack on Oracle next to author. <laughs> <laughs> hey, if that's going to help me sell more copies, I'll do it. <laughs> that's it's, it's it's amazing though because when we talked before and you told me that I was like, you know, a lot of people obviously jumped on the uh, you know COVID bandwagon and there's a bunch of books out and there's a lot of articles about how publishers do not want this kind of like poke up post apocalyptic, but Jonathan Mayberry said the very same thing. So he had a book come out, um, in June, May. Um, I don't have the exact date. That's terrible. I probably could have written that down, but, um, he had a book come out about a plague that hits the world. And he had done a bunch of research with, um, so bioengineers and all these medical people, and they gave him all this information about how this is coming soon. Right. This is happening. This is coming. He wrote the book. And of course, you know, Jonathan Mayberry is traditionally published. So he's got this really long runway. So this book's been going for a couple of years. And then it hits smack in the middle of when this pandemic starts. And he's like, oops. Like, and it looks like he jumped on the bandwagon, kind of like you, but you guys had these books going before it ever happened. Absolutely. And it's one of those things where I debated, like, should I wait? Should I wait to it? I was like, no, like, the book's going out. Like it's not going to have as much fanfare as I usually would because I understand the sensitivities around it. But yeah, I mean, it's been going for a while and, and that's the nice thing about books is like you can, somebody could read this five years from now and not even look at the publication date and be like, Oh, okay. Like it's not, not too relevant now, but all right. 
Y'all got yeah. it. Um, and I think that's what's interesting. There's a this very fine line, I think, between science fiction and speculative fiction. And like talking about how, you know, he talked with bioengineers, he did all that stuff. Like, you know, I was researching things for architects about like, what are, what's actual science that's being done in 2015 in, um, cause nail biters is set in 2015. So I knew I couldn't have anything newer than that in architects. Um, I was like, okay, so these are things that are happening and how could that be used in the best way? How could that be used in the worst way? How could that be manipulated somehow? And so it's taking roots in reality and then, and then putting that into something that's fictionalized and people are like, Oh, that's scary. And then it's like, you know, what's real scary. It actually exists. Um, Oh, yeah, it's it's interesting you said that we uh, we talked to David Brin who wrote The Postman the other day, and he said something that I thought was fascinating. He said he doesn't think it should be called sci-fi anymore. He thinks it should be called speculative history. Ooh, that's pretty clever. He said sci-fi is a misnomer. He's a very interesting human to talk to, but um, he's he thought it should be called speculative history. Because a lot of sci-fi is based around actual situations and whether it's forward thinking or, you know, that sort of thing. Like you look at a lot of the stuff, like you wrote a book in 2015 that had merits of 2015. And I love that because obviously like Blade Runner was, you know, now in the history, we don't have flying cars yet. Same with Back to the Future. Don't have flying cars yet. Darn it. Um, But uh, it's interesting when you when you take and you look at what's happening right then and can model it kind of after that. Because obviously it's weird if you wrote a book, you know, right now about this is in high tech or, you know, it's set five years in the future and you put all this stuff and then five years from now somebody picks up the book and it's like, no, that's, that's not happening, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so anyway, okay, we have to take a break. We're actually past our take a break time. So we're going to take a quick break. And we will be back with MK Williams in just a moment. Yay! This is the voice of Drinking With Authors. You are at our commercial break. And our commercial is, hey, do you want to be a guest on our show? Or do you have a question for one of the guests on our show? Or do you have a brilliant drink recipe that we've never heard of? That would have to stump us. But you could reach us at drinkingwithauthors at gmail.com or on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook. You can direct message or even just leave a comment on one of our posts. We would absolutely love to hear from you. And we're back. Woo! Okay. So we were just talking about, you know, sci-fi and stuff. So let's talk a little bit about your other books. Because you are a genre whore, which I love. I love that you can write all these genres. So um, your first two books are the books that shall not be named. Are those books actually still up and published or no? No, those were never. Those never got anywhere. Um, I think they're saved on a lone thumb drive that is somewhere in in my my possessions. Um, And so they were just, you know, just... They, it was almost, you know how, like whenever you watch a movie about a writer, they're always writing their life, but fictionalizing it. That's pretty much what those first two books were. It was, um, an exercise and like, well, can I do it? Whereas like, obviously nail biters is not at all based on anything ever to happen in my life. Um, so the, the very, the very first two books unpublished books will never see the light of day, nor should they, they are the worst. <laughs> 
um, but they, they were more of like the first one was romance. The second one was almost like a detective mystery. Like I was clearly just like trying to do something. And, and that was a story I wanted to tell at the time. Um, whereas like with nail biters, like I didn't set out to be like, I want to write the sci-fi horror. Like I wrote the story that was in my mind and, and I, I think I brought across the things I wanted to bring across about our society and things like that. Um, but then the second book that I published was a collection of short stories that were like literary and fun and I thought I was so so deep um with those I was like I'm gonna write literary short stories says every writer right yes exactly (laughs) exactly and then the third book that I published enemies of peace that's like a domestic thriller that's a it starts with an explosion so you know that one house on this cul-de-sac exploded you don't know which one. And then it kind of goes back to the beginning of the summer and follows these two very different couples of like, what's, what's up? There's something off with each of them um, to figure out what happened, who done it and, and all that. So that's not at all science fiction based. That is very much like the, the couple next door um, or like little fires everywhere where it's like, oh, something's happening here. Um, and and I remember it's hard to write. You're saying that. And I know we're going through your books, but I don't, I think um, mystery is one of the hardest genres to write. Mm-hmm. And more and more, I'm meeting with um, authors who are like, if you really want to see if you've got the chops, write a mystery. Because it's one of the ones that absolutely, like, somebody said it the other day, not that anything's bad. I write I write erotica, for instance. So, but he, he was talking about you can cheat that. You can cheat romance. You can cheat erotica almost. Because you don't have to have the twists and the turns and the little droplets throughout the thing. Did you find writing mystery a little bit harder than? Definitely. Where I wanted it to, um, I wanted it to kind of read one way um, to one to one group of an audience and one way to another group of an audience. Like it was much more challenging, and that's almost like that's like the sub goal with like each book that I write is like it's a challenge, right? Like with Nail Biters, it was like I'm going to write a book that's not at all based anything in my life, and I'm going to self publish it. Like that was a challenge. Um, with the short stories, um, the final short story is entirely from the main character point of view is male, and I had never done that before. Um, so that was the challenge. Enemies of Peace was okay. Can I have multiple plot points. Cause that's the thing with mystery. You have to have multiple things going on that all kind of coalesce in this one moment where it's aha. And now we know what happened. Um, and that was the big challenge there. Um, with, um, the infinite infinite, it was so science-based. Um, it, and that was like, that was like the fun adventure sci-fi, but that was, that was a big challenge to really like, okay, I have to learn all these things and starting it knowing I wanted to make it a series. And then with architects, it was going back and writing a sequel to a book where I had never intended it to be a sequel, um, to have a sequel at the first spot. So each book has been a challenge and absolutely writing mystery, um, as like just the standalone genre itself is very difficult, but I do find that all the books that I enjoy, whether it is, you know, like chiclet romance or science fiction, there isn't a mysterious element to it. Um, and I do find that that's what I enjoy. So I think reading so much that has, that has helped. Um, and that's a lot of the research I do is reading books that I want to emulate or authors whose skills I want to emulate, um, and figuring out how I can incorporate those. But yeah, it was hard to say like, okay, I wrote this. I need a secondary plot line that's actually going to come through this whole thing now and not just be totally random and weave it in naturally and and put in these good red herrings. Like it was it was a bit more difficult. So then you so you write that one, then what comes up next? <laughs> 
So after Enemies of Peace, there was a long delay. So Enemies of Peace came out in 2017, and then I didn't publish the infinite infinite until 2019. So I had this, you know, one book a year cadence. And then in between, that's where I helped my first, the person who became my first client publish their book. And then somebody else said, Oh, can you help me? And I was like, sure. And then I was like, I need to write my own book. This, this isn't working. Um, so the infinite, infinite, (laughs) I was like, this, this is fun, but it's not what I want to do. Um, so the infinite infinite came after enemies of peace. And this is the the sci-fi fun adventure. There's a, there's a multiverse mystery we have to go solve together as like a band of friends, um, that I like, I liken it to like Michael Crichton. We're like, Oh, it's science fiction, but like, we're all going to solve it together. Um, (laughs) 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 so this the cover is awesome. There's an F on the cover of that book. And I, and I don't mean that in the, you know, (laughs) mean more but it is beautiful the cover is totally beautiful thank you this is i think we talked about that last time it's just awesome yeah so i did this cover it's like my pride and joy the covers that i've done myself get progressively better as i publish more um but yeah so this one was yes Yes. So yeah. And like when we talked about marketing before the cover is such a huge element to that. So like for nail biters, I paid a graphic artist to do this and she, she done good. Like, Oh, it looks uh, every time you lifted up the book, I was like, God, I want that book now. (laughs) That's the whole point. (laughs) Um, and then for the infinite infinite, this was just fun and like just a great Adobe stock photo in the background and good typography on the front. Um, which again, it takes a while to get to know what that's going to be, but this infinite, infinite was fun to write. Um, and it's all about the multiverse and, um, this mystery that happens across it. And this was the, the story idea came from, I would love it. I would love it. If like every man in our society knew what it felt like for a whole day to know what it feels like for a woman, like in our society. Right. And it's not this pervasive. It's not, doesn't always have to be like these horrible crimes that are always committed against women. Right. It doesn't always have to be like what it feels like to have to deal with like a Harvey Weinstein or somebody like that. It just has to deal with like, what? You being a creep. Can we talk about that in the middle of the night? (laughs) Like just go pump some gas and know how it feels like. (laughs) Yeah. Or just that, that underlying level of like, uh, I feel like I should be able to feel safe, but I don't feel safe or like just those little things. Um, and so the story originally started out that way, like one way. Um, and I wrote a bunch of that and I was like, well, how, how does like this main character know that like, this is different, that this is the opposite of what it would be. And that's, I was like, Oh, it's a multiverse thing. And then I was like, Oh, 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 here, here's a story. And it's become totally different from what that original one was. But um, yeah, that was like, that was the genesis of like, what would it be like if men just knew? So one of the multiverses that they end up having to travel to, to figure out this mystery is universe gamma. And that is where women are completely in control of all things. There's been a succession of female presidents. There are, um, there are very draconian laws against men. Um, and if they potentially step out of line against women, um, and kind of some of the similar rhetoric that we hear men use against women now, it's kind of used against men in this book. So it's, it's very interesting. Um, so that was a fun little diversion. Um, and I think I'll probably end up doing a side story, um, just within that universe, just cause it was fun to write in. But, um, yeah, there was a lot of writing that went into this book that didn't actually make it into the book to kind of figure out well, what is this society that has all this and how did this happen? So, yeah. No, I think that's awesome. And so then you have architects, um, 
because of drinking, I don't remember if we touched on this last time, but one of the things that a lot of authors find very successful is the formulaic releasing of a a series of stories, like, you know, a trilogy or one that turns into like 25 books or 29 books, Mm -hmm. Laurel K. Hamilton. Um, So (laughs) do you envision yourself doing that or do you not like doing that or you know, because Architects doesn't take the same characters. And I guess what I'm saying, um, a series, not that you can't jump to different characters, because a lot of romance does that. Like mm-hmm. they incorporate a couple little characters sprinkled in the first book, and then those are the characters with a little sprinkle, and they do it that way. But do you think about writing, like, even a novelette genre, you know, funness like that on anything? Mystery, it doesn't matter what mm-hmm. it is, but... Absolutely. And I think that's one of the things where when I was first starting out, I just wanted to see if I could do it. And I didn't like a lot of what I was seeing online. It was like, well, this is how you hack KDP. And like, you hack this by writing a series. And I was like, well, I want to be a writer, not a hack, you know, like, um, and I think I kind of put that off in my like very hipster, like, well, I'm not going to do that. Um, but then I realized now, like the benefits of having the series is, yeah. So all the people who read nail biters and love nail biters are very excited for architects to finally come out. I'm like, oh, well, if I had prioritized maybe writing this earlier, um, you know, that could have spurred the success elsewhere. So the infant infant is going to be the first in a four part series. And so the next book I will be working on will be the sequel. Um, and probably just finishing out the series. I feel like once I'm in that world, I might just want to stay in that world. Um, cause it's much more light and fun. Whereas the nail biters world, I had to, I had to vacate, but there will be a, inevitably a third book in this series. But again, I think I need like a mental break, but I do now see the benefits to writing in a series, um, especially when you like the characters. So I think there's like the business aspect of it, right? Where like, as an author, you can find more success writing a series. Like if somebody likes the first book, they like the second, they're going to be signed on to find out what happens. Right. And so that can be more lucrative from royalty points of view, um, so there's the business side, but there's also the side of an author where like, maybe you just like that world that you've created and you just want to live there. But I also get some fatigue, you know, like I, I realize sometimes like I need something new. I need something different. I need something else um, to focus on. So I definitely want to finish out these series. And I think that'll be the next big challenge with the next few books is can I finish this series? Can I, can I get it to the point where I feel that things are resolved? Um, people are satisfied with it. Um, I'm satisfied with it, but like that the characters have their growth that they needed that, that they get the, where they need to be by the end of that entire series arc. And then, yeah, I, I've like toyed around with the idea. I'm like, it would be kind of fun just to set up like a pen name and just write like, like do like the Kindle hack thing, you know, just like write a bunch of books, do all that. And then I was like, oh, I have a baby coming. That's not, that's, that's not going to happen. No, um, no, totally. I mean, I think the Kindle hack thing is interesting. What I think is also interesting is Kindle is paying less and less because of volume. That's what happens. Mm-hmm. And, the Kindle hack thing works to a degree, but other, you know, like putting a hardcover, it's interesting because, and I'm jumping all over myself in this because I got so many words to say, but I think that as a publisher, because we're a, a publisher too, right? And for the same reason you did was kind of like, this is like after doing it ourselves and going through things, we went this, no, we're going to set up something so people can actually publish their books and it not be all of these hardships that authors go through mm-hmm. and there's the idea of what happens as you said at the beginning of the podcast and then what actually happens when you go to do this but it's interesting because if you don't want to spend a million dollars on ISBNs and all of this stuff there's an there is a methodology to doing that too and going okay here is the place 
that is going to make the hardcovers, mm-hmm. for instance, right? Mm-hmm. And we're not going to put hardcovers on Amazon and on Nook and on, you know, and on. And like, because you can put hardcovers on all these places for the most yeah. part, you know, not Kobo, for instance, they're all digital. But um, you can do this and then you have, you know, 10, 12 ISBNs you suddenly need. And unless you're buying them in gigantic quantities, mm-hmm. This book now suddenly costs you $4,000 to publish, and the likelihood you'll make that then profit back right away is kind of tiny, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And that's where, when I first started with this, so again, I've mentioned before, like I'm a very frugal person. Um, and so when I started with nail biters, I was like, okay, like I, I looked at everything. I did all the research and I said, you know what? I want to own the ISBN. I want to have this. Cause again, I was ebook only cause I was going to save all the trees. Um, you know, I wanted it available across multiple retailers, not just Amazon. Like I started to see, I'm like, yeah, but if it's only on Amazon, like I like the library. I was like, my library can't get the ebook from Amazon. Like they have to get it from somewhere else. So I kind of set that as a goal for myself early on that again, I wanted other frugal people like me, no tall authors, your audience is not you. Um, but <laughs> it, it ended up being to my benefit because I was like, well, what do I need to do to get the book to libraries? Cause I want people to be able to read this book through their library. Um, and so that drove a lot of the decisions that I made. And yes, I, I made some mistakes. I made some errors with my ISBNs. So I'd have to burn a few and it was more expensive. But now that I know I'm going to be writing so many books, um, like I am actually releasing a second edition of Nail Biters um, to go with Architects because I'm effectively adding a whole section at the end that is a preview of Architects. And I redid the spine to look nice um, and I did other things. So I was like, okay, so I need another ISBN. So I I got the bulk package of ISBNs at back at the beginning of 2019 because you do get economies of scale, but I would say if you're starting out first time author, do not get the hundred pack of ISBNs. You don't need that. Um, you know, see what you want to do with one book, but if you have this vision in your mind, um, and that's a lot of what I do when I actually work with my clients, like that I coach through this, it's like, what is your goal? What is your vision? You know, if your goal is, I just want the book out. I want to prove I can do it. But their vision is, well, I'd love to do book signings at Barnes and Noble. I'd be like, first of all, COVID, like it's not gonna happen. Second of all, Barnes and Noble. (laughs) But okay, you know, and kind of working with them to be like, well, then here's what you would need to do to make that happen. And going through all the costs and saying like, is that still important to you? Or is it more important that this information gets out, that your message gets out, et cetera. So yeah, there is a way that you can do this and spend a lot of money. There's a way to do this and spend no money. Um, And that's what I try to walk people through is figuring out which strategy is the best for them and their goal in their business. Because some of the people I work with, they have a coaching business for like, um, for being for personal finance. And it's like, okay, that's great. So they want to release the book, but it's really just to augment when they go and they do public speaking or just to have something else to sell people. I was like, then it doesn't matter that you're here, here, and here. You just need to be able to sell it directly and do all this. Like, this is what you want. Like, don't read or listen to the podcast that talk about how to make a zillion dollars doing, uh, like a, a romance series on Kindle unlimited. That's not for you. <laughs> that is for a totally different genre, a totally different person. So I do try to walk people through what makes sense for them within their budget, within their goals, because yeah, like you said, you could, you could easily spend thousands and thousands of dollars on a book, but if you haven't really thought through, is this what I want? And this is what I need, then it's all wasted. And then they, they say they don't want to do it again. It wasn't fun. They didn't make their millions of dollars like E.L. James, um, and how dare the world let them down. And it's like, well, you gotta, she did something very different to get to that point. Um, so yeah. No, completely. Okay. So 
question. Let's talk about your writing process. Are you a plotter or a planner? I'm a bit of a hybrid. Or a pantser. I just said planner. I just, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I'm a bit of a hybrid between a pantser and a plotter. So I'll, um, I'll get ideas and I'll just kind of throw them into a notebook or into a word doc. And again, it's very like panstery, like just kind of going. And then once I kind of get a critical mass, which is sometimes five pages, sometimes 10 pages, it really depends. Then I'll sit down and say, okay, what is this story that I'm spending all this time on? Is this going to become just a short story? Is this going to become a novel? Is this going to just be one of those documents that lives on my hard drive that never goes anywhere? And so from that point, then I'll start to map out, okay, how does this work? How do these bits of dialogue work together? How do these characters work together? So I'm a bit of a hybrid. I do find now that I'm working on this series that I'm tending more towards being a planner just because I need to make sure that certain things from the first book are tied into the second that will be eventually tied into the third and fourth. Um, So I've had to become more of a planner and I don't like it. I do like just being able to go in and just write, you know, write what I feel in the moment. Um, But I've realized I have to get, I have still to be efficient. Like just because this is my full-time job now, doesn't mean that I have all day to just sit there and write and kind of like putz around with it. Like I have to be more intentional about it when it was like, well, I have an hour on a weekend. Let me just throw something together. Um, when it was a hobby, now it's it's becoming more more business like. Exactly. So, did you find that different when you were writing the mystery? So, when you're talking about layers upon layers upon layers, I, I mean, I, I'm assuming you you have to have that notebook where you go back to when and where you said things or comments. Like, how did you go about that? Yeah. So I usually, I, I, I feel like I use my notebook and that just comes around with me and that's where I just jot down a quick idea, but I ultimately just try to work within like a word document. And so from there I can, um, I really like their heading settings. Cause then if you put up the navigation bar, you can just drop to things. So I would just even write things like, okay, this is when this happens. This is when this happens. Um, and then as I was like, okay, I need to really make sure the secondary character and their plot line has been adequately woven in. Um, it's going back and being like, okay, they were mentioned here and here and here. These two chapters are too close to each other. So this, it's almost like too much of this person, then not enough of them for a while. So I need to like move that around. So that was where I was much more of a pantster. And then I had to go back in and fix it. Whereas I think if I had, I think if I had started that book and said, okay, here's what it's all going to be. And I had plotted it out, it probably would have been more efficient, but it, it wouldn't have been, it, I don't think the outcome would have been the same. Um, because I do notice like I'll write something and then like after letting it marinate for a bit, then I'll be like, Oh no, no, this is what should happen. Um, and so I don't want to lose that aspect to my writing. Cause I think that's made each of my books better. Um, you know, like I said, with the infinite, infinite, the story that started out as that I was starting to write and plot is nothing at all. Like what it eventually became. Um, and I'm very glad for that. I think it's much improved over what that story would have been. So I think a lot of us experience and we're like, we have this great idea and you're writing and you're like, no, no. Okay. We're going to go this way. We're going to, we're going to get out. We're not going to Kansas cause that's going to be boring. We're going to new Orleans. <laughs> exactly. Although the, the, everybody who lives in Kansas would be amped to finally have a book. For their that's future. true. Other than the wizard of Oz, right? That's true. That's what oh, and then I guess Gillian <laughs> Flynn writes a lot in the Midwest. But yeah. New Orleans is more fun. There's New a reason Orleans why. Is so much more fun. And yeah. So let's talk about what do you feel like your difficulties as an author are? Like what are what's hard for you to do? Yeah. So um it can be really difficult to just be 
um, self-critical and to, to own all of my insecurities. Right. So I mentioned, um, you know, when I went to college, I knew I wasn't a very good technical grammarist writer. You know, I, I wanted to, I spent a lot of time writing poetry in high school with my feelings and you don't need punctuation for your poetry. You know, we're actually putting out a teen angst compilation at the end of this year of everybody's high school Middle school. I'm not kidding. It's literally called Teen Angst Vol One, and we just want everybody's unedited, un whatever, even if it's pictures of their poetry to put in this book because we all have that. Oh gosh, I I have a book that I actually unearthed that I will I will take some some shots and send them over. Get oh, ready for just the most teenagery, whiny poetry but yeah <laughs> that's what we're looking because we all did that we all were like let me the world's ending and you know i'm so in love because this is the love of my life and you're like oh god oh gosh, no. <laughs> like nobody understands me <laughs> nobody understands any teenager like, they don't even understand themselves <laughs> but, yeah. but yeah so I spent a lot of time doing that and so I really wasn't working on my technical writing skills um you know like sometimes with commas I'm like does it go before the but or after just put it in both places we'll figure it out um and and I've had to really come to terms with you know each time somebody points out something to me whether it is in the developmental process and the editing process or even after the book comes out and like somebody's like hey I noticed a little typo and I'm like oh Ugh, it's the worst. Um, but it happens, right? Like I, I'm reading Outlander right now, which is just some good trashy fun for me to read. <laughs> but I'm like, I'm like, she's meant, like, she just dropped this quotation mark. She like ended this quote. She gave a description, and then all of a sudden, the person's talking again, and the, the quotation mark did not pick back up. I was like, this. I was like, okay. So whenever I catch that in like a big traditionally published book that's huge successful, I'm like, okay, it's not as bad if I have one little typo too. But that I beat myself up the most on that because I I want the book to look polished to people. And I know that there are readers out there who will read an entire book. They'll love it. And they'll find one typo on the last page and they'll be like, hated it. There's a typo. And so I think I always take that to heart so much more and that insecurity of being self-published and this stigma around, well, if you self-publish, then it's not edited well. And I'm like, no, like I go through editing rounds. I'm like, I read it aloud. Like I do everything I can to catch what I can from the plot point of view. And that's obviously, you know, the developmental part, but the proofreading part, like I try to take that so seriously. And so I take every time that there is an error very personally. And I'm just like, this is, this is the, everybody's right. I'm a failure. Um, so I've had to kind of learn to overcome that and just say, you know what, everybody makes typos, everybody makes mistakes and I can sit here and I can work on this one manuscript for the next 10 years and still not catch every little thing that's in it. Or I could just put it out and move on to the next one. And so that's when my biggest struggle is when is it perfect enough to just get it sense. out? When is it, when is it, okay, now I'm just obsessing over something versus, you know what, it's good enough, move on to the next thing because I am a human and I'm never going to make anything that's hundred percent perfect. So that's been the biggest challenge is, is kind of letting go a little bit. No, that makes sense. Vanessa's nodding her head because she's also an editor and it's very interesting because I've gotten to the point when for editing and Vanessa actually is edited, is in the process of editing one of my books. She's asking me questions. I'm like, don't just, just do it. Just fix it. <laughs> like I don't even want to, I, that's what I told her. I'm like, you can get into this. This is my baby and whatever. But I just go, I actually have gotten to the point. I don't want to look at it again. Like mm -hmm. I, it's frustrating. And I, you know, 
I have books out there and I'll find every now and then when I'm doing like a public reading or something, cause I have the book cause you want to be like shameless self-promotion. Let me, this is what the book looks like, you know, and you're reading it and I'll find something and I'll be like, motherfucker. But then I'm like, okay, you know what? No matter what, I'm going to find stuff. Every time I read this book, mm-hmm. I can find stuff. And again, to your point, you will never be successful making the next thing. If you spend a bazillion years trying to make it perfect because you almost do yourself in them putting it out and somebody goes, you missed this thing. Or it says him instead of her. And then you can't like flip the table and the world's ended, you know? Mm -hmm. I think also if you edit something to the point of death, if you want to say it loses your voice or your, the thing that makes it unique. Cause Mm -hmm. at the end of the day, a human is writing it and we're all flawed. And if you have something that's just so pristine and perfect, it almost feels robotic. And, and you want to have human flaws in your story. You know, that's what makes stories great. We yeah. want to feel like we're not alone. And so I think at some point, I think you have to be like, you have to trust yourself and say, okay, I did everything I possibly could. It's not like I wrote one draft and I was like, oh, oh, it's perfect. I'm going to send it off into the world. It's like, no, yeah. you got to do your due diligence. But after yeah. a while, if you did your due diligence. You had multiple people read it. You edited it. You did everything you possibly could. And you just got to let it go because nothing mm-hmm. is going to be perfect. And there's always going to be someone that's going to like have an issue with it. As long as you're proud with what you put out into the world, who cares? Yep. You know, That's how I feel. <laughs> preach on preach on yeah. i agree yeah that's it comes out of the woodwork with her mimosa and it's like let me say thing. coca-cola <laughs> what do you mean switch to coca-cola what kind of oh listen i i have two drinks i'm i i don't give up i have both <laughs> you're two-fisting it right Exactly. A little pick me up to my to my champagne. <laughs> that those aren't white claws. We can make a whole joke about that crap. Okay. So. Hey, don't tease about white claws. I almost busted out a white claw this morning. So. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, um, MK, let's do a little shameless self promotion plug here. So you you have the floor, my friend. Shamelessly self promote yourself. Where can Buy my books. <laughs> um, so yeah, so I have multiple books out. So kind of whatever your pick your poison. If you like sci-fi, if you like horror and thrillers, you know, check out Nail Biters and Architects. So Architects is on pre-order right now. It'll actually be out September 15th. So this is your time to actually catch up on Nail Biters. Both books are discounted right now. So usually I price my books $3.99 for the ebook, $11.99 for the paperback. Both are discounted to $2.99 and $9.99. So this is the time if you want to know what happens in Nail Biters and then in Architects, check that out. Um, And that's across all platforms that you can get that price and that deal. Um, If you decide you like literary short stories, read the games you cannot win. Um, If you like domestic thrillers, read Enemies of Peace. And if you like fun sci-fi adventures across the multiverse, check out The Infinite Infinite. Um, I've got a little something for everyone. And then for anybody who's listening to this who said, wow, you know, I I can do it. You know, I I have been put down before or I have let myself get defeated before or I've been trying to over-edit everything I'm doing, but I'm going to go for it. I'm going to self-publish. Check out 
my website, authoryourambition.com. Um, that's where I have links to all my videos. So you can find, like I said before, all the videos on YouTube to help you self-publish. That's where I have the two self-publishing books, self-publishing for the first time author and book marketing for the first time author. Um, and you know, reach out to me with your questions, but I'm here to help other authors, um, in a way that I felt like I didn't have help when I got started. So, um, I just want to help people. I think everybody has a story in them to tell. So definitely, you know, if I can help you get that story across, or if you just want to read my stories, that's cool too. Awesome. Awesome. Yay. Okay. It has been wonderful having you again on the podcast. Thank you so much for being here. You are just, I think it's brilliant. And I think that you're helping people is brilliant too, because it's, you know, it's not always easy to help humans out in the world today. Mm-hmm. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you for being here. Thanks for having me back. Yes, of course. Okay. So this has been Drinking With Authors. I've been your host, Erica Lance. And this is Vanessa Valiente. Who forgot that she had anything to say here. And our guest has been N.K. <laughs> Williams. And we'll see you next time. Bye.